I suck at jujitsu. How do I suck less? Everybody, this is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to the newest episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today, I have the privilege of sitting down with one of my black belts again. Eric Kiebner has been on the show two different times, and both times we talked kind of competition mindset. And this time, we talk competition mindset, but we talk about it in a very different way, in a very different manner. Uh, we go through some of uh, these matches that Eric has had in combat wrestling. Um, this is still a newer grappling art, and Eric is considered one of the best to ever do it. And you guys are going to really love the conversations that we have because I think we do a really good job of kind of putting you in the moment, letting you get the feel of what it's like to compete at a really big national worldwide event with all the pressure, with all the controversy, and uh, we let you feel that. But also while doing that, we take a look uh, at what is going on in Eric's mind. And uh, as I made the joke on the last question and answer episode that we did, Eric is uh, my version of... Uh, of David Goggins. He really is somebody that just, he understands toughness at, at a level that I don't know if I've ever met anybody that understands mental toughness at that level, um, especially in the sense of competition. And uh, it's, it's really an awesome thing. But we even joke how it can, it can be a detriment. Uh, it can be really hard on you in other parts of your life and, and we talk about that and we just really look at it from all kinds of perspectives we look at the grueling process to developing that kind of toughness and um man we just i really love how this conversation turned out and like i told you guys uh last week if you guys have not checked out the episode with um, one of my brown belts and one of my blue belts sal woods and george kurgan um also two lifelong wrestlers we we talk about Eric in that episode, but just like uh, this, the same in this episode with Eric, we talk about um, George and Sal in that interview. So if you guys haven't heard that interview, I'm sure after you listen to it, after you listen to this one, you will be motivated to go back and check out that interview. Um, but I think it really is, um, we kind of touch on this this missing piece for a lot of people, a lot of people who wrestled, who grew up grappling and grew up really in in hard-nosed, tough gyms, wrestling all the way through school, even into college. Uh, then all of a sudden, one day, they get sat down and they say, hey, you're not going to wrestle anymore. You need to go get a nine-to-five job. And um, we really touch on that. We really touch on, on this need to grapple that has developed in those young guys and um, how jiu-jitsu can express that need. And so, um, yeah, if you know somebody who is a lifelong wrestler that especially has not picked up jiu-jitsu, be sure to send them this episode. I really think that it will stick, it will resonate with them, and it might even motivate them a little bit uh, to come out and, and try a jiu-jitsu class and uh, maybe just get back to grappling. Um, but that's all I have for you guys. Let's go ahead and go into today's episode of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu Show with Eric Eaton.
Oh, sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> Eric, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Good. good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been, apparently, it's been over two years. I didn't yeah. realize that it had been. Um, we were kind of not sure when we started, when we did the last one, what the heck we talked about. But I know we didn't have a good studio. I know the studio was <laughs> It not, wasn't like this, that's it, for sure. It, I want to say it was one of the first episodes that I put on YouTube that wasn't a Zoom call. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And that makes such a difference, being in front of somebody. <laughs> um, so I just kind of wanted to start, and we kind of talked about this before, um, but I wanted to start. This is something we talked about last time. But this is a good story to revisit, and you have actually competed in this event since then. Um, but uh, I wanted to start, I think it was 2000, and was it 2020 or was it 2019, the Combat Wrestling Worlds was in St. Louis? Oh. Um, 18 or 19. What, was it even 18? Okay. Okay, 18, yes, 19? because there was, I think... There was like a skipped year because of COVID. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, for for that, I kind of wanted to, you know, what first off, what what even got you into hearing about that sport? Um, I we were at a tournament, and I don't some random tournament somewhere. Somebody was talking about it. We had it, we were both there. I don't know where we were, but I remember this guy talking about it. You and I are not fine detail guys. No, you know, no. we, we were know somewhere we, in the United States. We know we grappled people though. You we know? were somewhere <laughs> in the United States, and we had both won uh -huh. our tournament. I want to say it was a new breed, a new breed tournament. Anyways, um, and somebody was talking about it, and they had mentioned something to us as mm -hmm. we were standing there talking. We were taking a picture or something, uh, so talking about how they just saw us in Nogi. They really liked it. We should try combat wrestling. And I asked a few questions, and I'm like, never heard of her. You know, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. He ex kind of explained the rule set. And I said, that sounds amazing. Uh, that's right up my alley. And I'm like, bro, did you see me pull guard in all yeah. my matches? <laughs> yeah. Why did you, why are you telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just started looking it up, started researching it, started figuring out the rules. Um, started asking guys at practice to practice it with me, uh, try to figure out the rules, how I can make it work to my advantage and all that stuff. So it just, and then sooner or later, here comes the tournament, here comes nationals, you know, and I signed up immediately. So, and nationals are, well, even before that, what is combat wrestling to somebody who does not, uh, you know, for, for jujitsu guys, it's not, yeah. it's not combat jujitsu. It's not wrestling no, with slaps. No, right. Uh, combat wrestling is more, I guess I consider it a freestyle score mm -hmm. scoring. They're looking for big throws, right? So they're looking for high arching, uh, belly to back throws. They're they're scoring fives for those throws. They're um, scoring takedowns from feet to feet to butt, feet to back, um, feet to belly is nothing. Mm -hmm. So if I sweep single you and you just drop to your knees, I get no points, mm -hmm. right? So they're looking for high intensity, um, kind of freestyle scoring. You can have pins, so-called pins, where if I hold you in side guard without having you having a leg hooked or anything, if I can hold you there for, I don't remember what it is now. It was like 30, 30 seconds, seconds, wasn't it? So yeah. you get an extra point or something. So uh -huh. it had some some different rules to it, but I definitely liked it. It was and very, then, 
And then there's submissions. And there's full submissions. And if you don't get anything on the ground in about 30 seconds, they stand you right back up. Mm-hmm. So it's very action-packed. Uh, they want action the whole time, kind of like freestyle. Yeah. If you ever watch Olympic freestyle Greco, they want action the whole time. So And then the to freestyle. me, the wildest rule was all resets in the middle on the feet. So yeah. you could have somebody's back, both hooks, rear naked choke, Didn't and matter. you fall out of bounds. Yep. Reset on the feet in the middle. Right. Nothing. Right. That um, that is, you know, that rule set was wild. I remember, you know, we'll get to this part of the story. I remember arguing rules, not <laughs> knowing any of the rules. But as I was arguing, I was like, oh, this sport is so new. Yeah. These guys are these guys think I know the rules. Like I'll, right, just, right. I'll just keep the argument going. <laughs> um, but for you, how did um, how did nationals go to make the the national team? Because they're in St. Louis the first time you do them, right? Mm-hmm. And then how did those go for you? Man, that was a long time ago. Um, I think at the first nationals I competed at, I had four or five matches. Mm-hmm. It was quite a few. It was a pretty good sized bracket, um, and it was single elimination. Uh, I remember that. I mean, I remember winning them. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember how it went. Um, I think I had one pretty close match. I, I remember think, that like three uh-huh. or four to zero. Mm-hmm. It wasn't wasn't an outstanding win. It was a good win mm-hmm. against a really tough guy. I remember the guy Gabe, and he was a super tough dude. Um, I got a good takedown in the first couple minutes and uh, kind of held on to my lead from there. But other than that, I think they were, you know, pretty dominant wins as far as 10 to 15 to zero, you know, um, that was my main goal. My main goal was never to finish anybody. It still never is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. I like to positionally dominate point whore everybody. And you tech people in, in, um, in I combat wrestling. Yeah. I do too. It, like in jujitsu, you get, you get mounted three times. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? It's embarrassing. Yeah, what are you doing yeah. getting mounted yeah. three times? It's called mount, bro. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I really I really liked just the, the uniqueness of the rule set. But then we go to St. Louis again. Yeah. They're having the World's Tournament at St. Louis. And so there are a bunch of countries that have mm-hmm. different representatives. And in your division is, at the time, the the king of of combat wrestling um from what i had heard yeah yeah from mm-hmm. what and so that was kind of kind of the research that we did was like oh this dude is tough where was he from was it uh bulgaria bulgaria yeah. i was gonna say romania but uh you know i knew no. it ended <laughs> i knew it was one of those yeah one of those yeah. countries that's I, not a, yeah that's yeah. not america mm-hmm. you know i knew he wasn't yeah. american <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> this dude, just guessing, was probably six foot five, three fifty. No, I, well, I I don't know exactly how tall he was, but he, he was. I, I if I remember right, he was probably six two. You think? Uh, yeah, I mean, Bro. he was maybe six three. He looked like maybe me. he was six he five. Looked, he looked looked <laughs> like me big. standing next to you yeah. with you standing next to him. <laughs> yeah. There was a point where you were on his back. The first match that you have. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. And this is, you know, like any jujitsu tournament, it's it's one and done. Um, yeah. But first match you have, I remember this point where 
um, you spin behind him from a front headlock. And it might have even been from a sweep single. Um, but yeah. you spin behind and you get both hooks in and um, connect your hands, hold on to his back. And I remember he stood up. Yeah. And for people that are just listening, <laughs> you're not uh, a light guy, Eric. No. You were probably, what, 265 at the time? At the time, yeah, 260, 265. So yeah. 265, and he stood up, and you guys were out of bounds, so they stopped. And then he threw you off of his back without losing his balance at all. Yeah. Like you do to little Jeff sometimes at the gym when he's annoying <laughs> yeah. you. A little mosquito on his back. Uh -huh. Yeah. It it, was... And I remember, yeah, I remember that moment vividly is like I was calling the team like, hey, somebody bring a gun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, we don't, I don't know what we're going to do about this. I just remember having a full body wrap, both hooks in, completely yeah. chest wrapped around and... He just stood up. Yeah, it was. That was one of the biggest feats of strength that <laughs> I. Well, okay, that's not that's not fun. You can't tell me that this dude was six foot two. This dude was a okay. Mutt. Maybe he was bigger. I don't he know. was he was a stunt double for the big show in the yeah. WWE. <laughs> um, but then from there, uh, I believe you end up winning that match by one point. Correct. Yeah, uh, our first match, I had. Getting both hooks in is another point in mm -hmm. combat wrestling. If you sink both hooks, it's a point. And what had happened was you're not allowed to go around the chin mm -hmm. for like a rear naked, right? You're not allowed to go around the chin. Any, anywhere on the face is illegal. Mm -hmm. And when I... Dumb. Yeah, it yeah. is dumb. Don't tuck your chin, I know. man. You know? Talk about a tough action sport yeah. and they're like you know what don't touch his face yeah you're like, gonna tell me <laughs> that your rear naked choke defense is to tuck your chin well that's what he did yeah come on and it was it was very smart of him yeah because i did go around the throat and i knew that rule i did go around the throat first i saw the ref come down to our level to look to see if i was on the throat and i was mm -hmm. but he tucked his chin and then that's when the ref stood back up so the ref didn't see the entire process of what happened. But when Preslov looked, lifted his head up, I was around his face at that time, mm -hmm. which was illegal. Mm -hmm. He ended up standing up. We went out of bounds. The ref didn't catch it at the time. Later on, he challenged the match. They it, went through the video. Mm -hmm. It's like the last 90 seconds of the match, you stay ahead that point. Yeah, and kept the point. At yeah. the end of the 90 seconds, they challenged. They challenged. Yeah. And so then it was like this this controversy. I remember this is where I come in. I, I've been pretty irrelevant in the whole coaching thing. But I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll, I know how to argue for my guy. I think yeah. I send you away. Like, hey, Eric, just yeah. you know, go, yeah. go into the corner. Go chill out. You're going to have a, another match today. And right. uh, um, start arguing this. And they're like, well, you know, he did go around the chin. That's illegal. I'm like, yeah, but you let them not wrestle for 90 seconds where my guy was ahead right. and didn't need to produce offense. And so that was kind of my argument. And then they're not having it. Mm -hmm. And so the trump card, I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but the trump card that I threw was I go, okay, well, him throwing my guy out of bounds like a child has to be illegal too. We mm -hmm. challenged that. And literally all three refs that were like, kind of, they were going the other way. Yeah. They all paused and they were like, He's right. 
Like they were both. I never they, do that. Yep. And so that was the, it was this, this pause. I don't know the rules. I could, you could yeah. have been allowed to do that. Right. You could have been allowed to hit him with a steel chair. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, I was just like, you know, I know how to argue for my guy. And so yeah. I, I just throw that and they, they go, give us a second. And I was like, okay, I guess that did something. Yeah. And they come back to me and they go, Hey, there's only one answer. They got to wrestle again. And I was like, that's the yeah. only answer. Yeah. I, I thought there was another answer. We won. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and I remember, and this is kind of why I wanted to start with this story. Um, I remember you are your knees swollen up, you're you're beat up after that match. Oh yeah. Um, and I remember walking over and going, Hey Eric, you gotta wrestle again. And you go, What? Hmm. And I go, I shook my head and you go, Okay. And just walked away. And I don't, honestly, I don't think we've ever talked about this. I don't know what your mindset is. I think you get about 30 minutes. What were, if you can remember, the thoughts going through your head in those 30 minutes? Oh, I definitely remember. Okay, <laughs> let me hear it. That was a, a rough patch in my life, that uh -huh. 30 minutes. Yeah. You know? um, Preslov was so physical. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm a physical grappler. Mm -hmm. I club pretty hard. Uh, when I sink something in, I try to uh, I sink it in pretty hard, you mm -hmm. know. And I, I feel like I'm a physical guy on my feet uh, more than anything. He was twice as physical as I was. Yeah. And I, yeah. That was that got in my head, mm -hmm. you know. And I beat him because I was more technical not because I was more physical. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the first thing I thought. I'm like, I I have surgery in two weeks. <laughs> Can't feel three of my fingers right now. Uh -huh. um, you know, my head, I think I had two black eyes mm -hmm. after the match. You know, my ear was halfway ripped off from the cauliflower. <laughs> you know, I was banged up. Uh -huh. And that was the first thing for the first two, three minutes going through my head. Like, I don't know that I can do this again. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the most physical matches I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do remember that I was sitting on the bleachers when you came up and told me, and I'm like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> You're joking, Josh. Yeah. There's no way like we'll challenge something else. Yeah. My mind immediately went to excuses. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it immediately went to, well, I want to challenge that he never took a shot. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking, how can I re-challenge this yeah. and and win this fight? Um and I remember that lasting for a good five minutes or so of making excuses in my head, trying to find ways to get out of this next match, trying to figure out how to weasel out, mm -hmm. basically. Um and I went and got a drink of water and I sat by myself and I thought about it and I'm like, I can get out of this. I can go talk to them about, I took 18 shots in two minutes. He didn't take any. Mm -hmm. I mean, where's the, where's the stalling in one, mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's rewatch that. Mm -hmm. I had all offense. He had zero. And, um, I remember just stopping myself like, wait a second. What, who are you? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? Because, Going back to Tech Falls, 
I hated to pin people through wrestling in junior high, high school, college. I didn't, I didn't want to pin anybody. To me, it's the same thing in jiu-jitsu, the same reasoning I have in jiu-jitsu. If I submit somebody, this is just, I know this is not popular opinion. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is not popular opinion at all. If I submit someone, you in your head, especially local, if I go to a St. Louis tournament and I submit someone in the first minute, mm-hmm. in your head, your mental thinking is, man, he just caught me. I got caught. I got caught. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want you to think that. And I want to, in jiu-jitsu, in gi jiu-jitsu, I want to beat you 40 to nothing. And I want to put on three or four submissions and let them go. <laughs> and, I, you know, uh-huh. and, and that's always been my thing. My whole life, that's been my thinking. And for those five minutes, I was thinking how to weasel my way out of that match. And I just remember sitting there and finally getting to myself where nobody was talking to me. And I'm like, who are you? Go prove it. Prove to everyone. Prove to him. Because he thinks he lost by that point. Mm -hmm. I can't let him think that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I can't let him believe that he can beat me. And I need to prove it again. And now, 10, 15 minutes after the match... I can't wait mm-hmm. to fight him again. You know, I I had to sit by myself and think about it and really dig deep and say, I have to prove it. I didn't prove it. I have to prove it now. You know, I, and I remember all of that. That I, was because that sunk my heart when I heard that I had to fight him again. You know, I remember, I remember just the, the difference because I could see it on your face that you were like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like when I first told yeah. you, I don't know if I have it. Yeah. I don't know if I can. I didn't think I did. And you know, I, again, I know that you have surgery in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I, if you would have said, Hey Josh, pack up the car, let's head home. Yeah. I would said, you know what? Normally I would have told you no, but I think this time, this one situation, yeah, maybe we pack up the car, we head home. Yeah. And, uh, and then I saw you do the Hebner hop and, bouncing mm-hmm. on your toes and I was like, "Oh, he he's ready. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go have this match again." Yeah. And um you put it on in the next match. Yeah. Uh it wasn't close no. the next match. No, and I, I remember I rem- completely controlling the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember about the first minute and a half, 2 minutes, it was a lot of hand fighting again, mm-hmm. but then when the pace started from you and you started to realize like, "Oh, he's He's more tired than I am. Mm-hmm. I've got more than he does. Yeah. It was on. Yeah. I remember I was I went from coach to cheerleader in yeah. that moment <laughs> yeah. of like, oh yeah, there's no more coaching that needs done. Yeah. We're just going wild now. Mm-hmm. And uh man, it was a great, it was a great performance. Yeah. Thank you. Do you uh do you remember post match? Did it feel any different post match? It did. I knew it uh-huh. at that point. Yeah, I, I do remember. I remember walking over to you, hugging you, uh-huh. uh, you breaking your watch. I, I did <laughs> I remember break that, that yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember being excited because, it, and it wasn't, yes, because it was, I won, mm-hmm. right? I ended up winning worlds. I beat the guy who's won worlds two or three or four years in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, I beat him. The only guy in that weight class that had ever won worlds, right? I don't know. I don't I don't know the all the history with combat wrestling. I know it's been, I don't know eight years, 10 years or so yeah. uh, going on. So um, 
I didn't know how many times. I knew he'd won it a couple times, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at least. But I was excited for the win. I was excited uh, for being a world champ. But it was more that, you know, I proved it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't there wasn't a question in my mind through that second match. I didn't I didn't say like, oh, I just need one more point. I, I can I can squeak by this. I was like, no, I'm I attacked him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't question anything. I didn't question any foot movement. I didn't question any hand movement. I didn't question where my heads were, where my head was. Um I never questioned anything. I was out there to win and that was a hundred percent and I proved it, you know, that year. And then, (laughs) and then, I mean, fast forward, you, you, this isn't the last time you do combat worlds. I, I, Mm -hmm. I, was it then, it wasn't the next year though, that you got to compete again, was it? I believe it it was. was? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then it must've been 2018 and then 19 would have been. 18 and 19, I believe. Okay. And so that would have been the next year. So how did the next year go, um, of doing it? Worse. Yeah. The next year went worse. Um, That was my surgery after that world championships. uh, I don't know if it was two weeks. I was just guessing, but Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks, five weeks later, however long it was, um, that put me down for, I don't know. I I think I was out of the gym for six months, Mm -hmm. you know, and. And you were struggling to even train up until. Up until yeah. then, I just remember yeah. certain times you would be like, oh, uh, hand went numb and yeah. be out for a few weeks. Yeah. I went and, and it was, uh, I had something in the back of my neck where my arm went numb for mm-hmm. like a month, you know, and mm-hmm. finally ended up getting it fixed. But, you know, it was, it was injury after injury and um, getting back in the gym was difficult to do. And, of course, my diet never changed. And it never will. <laughs> I'm still eating pizza, drinking beer, eating cheeseburgers, you know, but I just wasn't in the gym seven days a week mm-hmm. like I had been for the past eight years, you know, just starting jujitsu and my entire life before that. So I never outworked my diet, but I always stayed in what I considered really good shape. I could fight any seven minute match, no problem, mm-hmm. you know. Well, then I couldn't anymore. Um, my diet never changed over a six, eight month recovery time. Mm-hmm. And I got fat. I got real fat. Mm-hmm. I got lazy. I got slow. Um, and before you know it, I got three, four months and I got combat nationals again. Mm-hmm. So I start training and I start training a couple times a week, you know, two, three times a week. And then I'd have a week where I'd have five and another week where I'd have two and having the kids and trying to make me, you make me do nationals with you. I did. I did make you go with me. And it was only, it was only guilt that brought me there. I'm like, (laughs) this dude is coming back from a broken neck. I've never shot a takedown in my life. I guess we'll do combat wrestling nationals. So it was, it, I can make excuses after, after excuses. I didn't train, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Nationals was tough again, mm-hmm. you know, and then um, I ended up winning it somehow. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. had, I had some easy matches. I had some tough matches and then uh, won it again when we were there. And what was that, Arkansas or that sounds Kansas? Right. Or, I think it was Arkansas. Yeah. 
We never know. No, <laughs> right we've been everywhere. <laughs> Who knows? Some other state than Illinois. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, anyways, um, no, it didn't go near as good. I didn't train. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I didn't live up to my potential, and I knew I wasn't. Um, so, and so you go. What were your What was your placing at at Worlds that year? So I lost to Kulikov. Uh-huh. I lost to Preslov that year uh-huh. um, in overtime on a push out. <laughs> um, another rule that I didn't understand when you're in overtime and you step out of bounds, kind of like freestyle scoring, it is a point. And uh-huh. he, he pushed me out of bounds and he got a point and won the match. Um, so I ended up with second in my bracket. Uh-huh. I got ultra heavyweight second place at Worlds. And then I. Um, Spoke with the team kind of after the tournament, and um, they kind of – there's a few other guys that could have gone in the open, mm-hmm. the open world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember speaking with a few guys, uh, the coach and, and a few of the other guys, and they they really wanted me to sign up for the open after that loss. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did. And I had a bunch more matches that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a bunch more, I don't know, six more matches that day. I don't, I don't remember. A uh, bunch of tough matches, and I ended up winning Worlds again. Mm-hmm. Uh, fought all the way through the finals. Um, I remember I had France, I think, in the finals, and he was the, I want to say 185 or 205-pound guy who won Worlds in France, or for France, and um, ended up having him in the finals, and... He was just a strong, scrappy guy, uh-huh. you know. Um, and I think I ended up with two takedowns on him and won the match. I think four, not four, zero, something like that. And became the open world champ mm-hmm. that year uh, and second in my second in my division. I remember watching and being like, what the heck is going on? Why does Eric keep? Because like there was no commentary and yeah. there was no, I was like watching online. And I remember being like, okay, I know he lost one, but why does he keep, why is he still out there? Yeah. Why does he keep wrestling? Yeah. Why does he keep wrestling? Yeah. And yeah, it was like, you had like six more matches. Right. And it, it eventually, I was like, I think that this is the open class. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he doesn't yeah. just have a 50 person division. Right. I think right. this is the open class. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool to see you come back on that. How was your, how were you feeling between divisions? Like, okay, now I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go wrestle again. It was the same thing. It was I. I remember when I lost, I, I freaked out. You know, I, and I'm not bragging. I don't feel like it's bragging, but I haven't lost in a long time mm-hmm. uh, because I've trained really hard for a long time, mm-hmm. and I freaked out. I'm like, what in the world just happened? My entire year just flashed in front of my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I just completely downplayed myself. Like, you idiot. You have ruined everything. Mm-hmm. I beat myself up so bad. I, I uh, shook his hand, shook the ref's hand. Um, the coach... Had his clothes or had my clothes in his hand. I didn't want to talk to him. He knew it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. don't need to. I don't need to speak to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I grabbed my clothes and I ran downstairs. I ran outside in Romania. <laughs> I don't know where I was. 
And uh, I started doing sprints. And um, in some alley <laughs> by this school <laughs> where we were at in a country I've never been to. So um, sitting there in, in uh, rash guard shorts and wrestling shoes, just doing sprints up and down this alley, just freaking out mm-hmm. that I had lost. Um, and just flashing back and just beating the crap out of myself mentally. And um, I, when I came back in, some of the team was standing around and we were going over, um, you know, what had happened that day and everything. And, and they had talked to me about going in the open. And I didn't want to at first. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. I can't believe I just lost. I, I, I'm broken. Yeah. I'm, I'm mentally broke. Um, physically broken, mentally broke. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. And uh, I remember sitting on the bleachers again, just ready to ready to leave, mm-hmm. ready to go home. And a couple guys came up and talked to me, and they're like, "Hey, we we think you're it for the team. You know, uh, we've got a couple guys who are willing to go if you're going to say no, but we think you're the one who's going to sign up for the USA to represent us in the Open." Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard those words, my mind switched again. It's that switch that we talked about a few times. I, I have that switch somehow that I'm just like, okay, mm-hmm. done. No more feeling sorry for yourself. No more beating yourself up. I'm done. And uh, they signed me up for the Open, and there was no losing at that point. you know. And I just did everything I could to win the rest of it. And I had some tough matches. I had a lot of countries I'd never even heard of in that, in that bracket. And I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't even know where what country he's from. What side of the world is this on? Yeah. You know, and France? What is yeah, that? Yeah, well, what is a, that? Yeah. Uh so you know that uh yeah, that that switch that that turned me over, you know, after uh winning that first match in St. Louis and then having to come back again. You know, and then losing in overtime and then having to come back and fight six, seven more times, you know, it it's what I was feeding my mind, mm-hmm. right? What I was feeding myself, and I was feeding myself that I wasn't good enough. I can't do it. There's no way. Um, this guy's too good. These guys are too good. I'm already so banged up. I can't compete. I can't do anything. I can't live up to this expectation. And then I just remember – everything. I remember my training since I was four years old. I remember my training for the past eight months for this tournament. You know, I remember everything and I remember the struggles to go through the not being home with my kids is a struggle. Going to work every day, having a job is a struggle. Uh, Training hard in practice is a struggle. You know, everything was a struggle and just fueling that with that motivation, um, and changing what I'm feeding my mind at the time is what got me through, in in my opinion. I stopped feeding the bullshit of my mind saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't keep going, you know. And I fed my mind everything else. Mm-hmm. You have trained your whole life. You have done all this work, and you're going to tell Team USA that, they're all wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are all wrong. No, I can't do that. You know, no, I'm not going to tell them that. 
I'm going to go do it and I'm going to kill everybody on the way, you know? And, uh, you know, just sat there in silence for a while for probably 30 minutes, just maybe an hour, just sat there in silence and thought about everything and thought about, um, not necessarily my matches, just, just the, the, the life that I've led, right. The competition life that I've led and, it all leads up to every tournament. I don't care if it's Worlds. I don't care if it's St. Louis Naga. Mm-hmm. Every time I compete, it's the same way. Your entire competition career, your entire life, everything leads up to that tournament. It's always my mindset, you know. So so at what point do you do you find out that you were going to be inducted in the, the combat wrestling hall of fame. Not for a few weeks after I got back. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how it happened. I think somebody just sent me the link, you know, and just said, Hey, by the way, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh, you got inducted to the hall of fame, you know? And I'm, okay. That's, uh, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Uh-huh. You know, uh, how did that feel? I mean, you go, because like, for perspective, like you said, you've wrestled since you were four. You've mm-hmm. done combat sports since you were four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have had probably thousands, Yeah, would you say, of matches? Yeah. And, you know, it leads up, and not that this, not that you had to go like, oh, this is the biggest thing I've ever won, but this is a, a worldwide recognized combat sport, mm-hmm. and... You win worlds, you win worlds open class the next year, you're gonna be recognized as a Hall of Famer. How did how did that feel for you or what was the the thought for you? It hmm. not good enough. Yeah. It felt good. Uh-huh. You know, it felt good to be recognized that way. It felt good to be a two-time world champ. It felt good to be a Hall of Famer, but none of it lasted. Mm-hmm. It felt good for a couple days. You know, it felt good. I don't care if it's jiu-jitsu, it's combat wrestling, it's wrestling, it's freestyle Greco, it doesn't matter. Getting to be in the Hall of Fame, it's what I thought was what I worked my whole life for. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what I realized was I don't think anything's ever going to be enough. It's I'm still going to go compete, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just puts more of a target on my back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, (laughs) little Jeff, give me crap every day for it. (laughs) Oh, combat wrestling. Hall of Famer, everybody. (laughs) I'm going to kill him tomorrow, by the way. Uh, No, it, it, it was good, but it, it wasn't enough. It still isn't. Mm-hmm. It still isn't enough. It's never going to be enough. I don't care what I win. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I win Worlds 10 more times. It's not going to be enough. What about 11? You know, uh, why can't I do 11? Why can't I do 12? Why can't I do 13? You know, and that's probably just a competitor's mind or an mm-hmm. athlete's mind. But, you know, now I'm master two. And I'm like, why can't I? You know, I should be winning that. Mm-hmm. I should, and then I should win it next year I mm-hmm. should win it the year after that and you know it's like uh the rings they got us for being world champ and uh 
I put them on and they're and they're giant. Mm -hmm. They're gaudy. They're huge. <laughs> you know, and I'm like I can't actually wear these anywhere. Uh -huh. um, but you know, my wife gives me a little bit of crap about it. She's like, uh, "Yeah, you can't actually wear those." You know, and it's when we talk about it. Uh, this was past. Uh, now we talk differently about it. But when we talked about it before. She's like, "What's enough?" You know, what's you've won worlds twice. Mm -hmm. You've competed in everything in jujitsu. You've won everything you can. You know, you got to go to worlds. You got to do this. You got to compete in the next one. You're always looking for this. You're always looking for that. And it's the same thing as being put in the hall of fame. It's like, yeah, but I only have two rings mm -hmm. on my finger. I have, you know, I have four fingers. I have know, a lot more hand, to go, you know, you know, yeah. and it's, it's, uh, it's weird. Uh -huh. It's it's never enough, you know. Do you think that that same mentality is the mentality that clicks in at the time where you say to yourself, all that training, all these competitions have led to this moment? Do you think that those two, those two things um, are related? I guess those two thought processes of it's never enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I think more in the moment, definitely in a tournament. But uh -huh. afterwards, it's like if if I do a IBJJF and I beat everybody fifteen zero, and I'm like, man, I should have, I probably should have scored more. <laughs> you know, I just, it, it's just that feeling like you're just never doing enough. You know, and it's, I'm never scoring enough points. I'm never, I don't care if I beat him a hundred, nothing. I'm like, man, 102. I had the time. <laughs> I had the time to get 102 there, but I didn't. Uh -huh. And I, and I beat myself up about it. And, you know, I beat, beat myself up about it for a day. And then I'm like, okay, time for the next one. Mm -hmm. you know, so, but yeah, I do think that those two mindsets go hand in hand with each other. So for somebody, you know, because to me that the the competitiveness, it's something that you do need to to compete at the highest level of anything. It is. It you is. know, yeah. um, you just don't talk to people that make it to the highest level of things and don't have a, a thought process that is similar. Is there something that you look at or some things that you look at that you go, man, especially for jujitsu athletes specifically, like this is how they could be developing that mindset? Because there are guys that want, that have this desire to be this competitor, but they don't have the ability to, to push themselves yet or to, to push themselves past where they think they can go. Absolutely. Um, and so is there, do you have any thoughts on that, on how someone could develop that? Yeah. Pushing yourself past the breaking point. <laughs> and it's, you know, um, our old wrestling coaches, you know, they wanted to, and they told us this, I want to break you mentally every practice. Not once a week, not once a month. I want to mentally break you to say, I want you to tell me I can't go anymore, and then I'm going to make you keep going. It's the same thing when you're in jiu-jitsu and you're training for worlds. When we're done with our practice, we see a lot of guys 
laying down, I'm dead, mm-hmm. right? And me, especially being a big fat guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm, <laughs> no, thank you. But for people to keep doing that and going through these practices and saying they're a competitor, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, you're never going to be great. Right, you're going to be really good, mm-hmm. but you're never going to be great, because at the end of an hour of practice, some guys stay and roll after. But at that point in time in your life, what is your priorities? Right. So, me now being 36, two kids, one on the way. Like my priorities are my kids. I'm going to train hard, and I'm going to do what I have to do uh, to be ready for a tournament. Because my mindset isn't that I'm going to try to be a 15-time world champ anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to watch my kids do what they do, right? I can't be that as selfish as I used to be. Mm-hmm. But I can't explain how I was. Mm-hmm. And I was that way. And I still kind of am. <laughs> Secretly, I still kind of am. I, I do still want to win it all. But anyways, um, you know, it's... It's those times when you go to open mat and you roll every round in a one-hour period and you're laying on the mat and you're saying, I am dead. You know, I was lucky enough to have those people in my life to say, you're not done. Mm -hmm. We don't have that as much anymore now that we're adults, but that's where your mindset has to kick in. I am so tired, I can't move. Yes, you can. Yes, you can keep going. Yes, you can open those doors and walk through and get a workout in with some weights and then come back in and roll with another guy. <laughs> you know, like you can push yourself past your breaking point. And that's what that's the mind you have to have. When you push yourself past that breaking point over and over and over again, when you compete, You've been broken. Mm -hmm. You've been broken down, and you have been broken so many times to where if you're down by five, you still have it, and you know you still have it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You've been broken like that before. You were broken like that two weeks ago. But you still have that mindset to keep going and to score that six to be ahead one. You know what I mean? You can still have that, but it it takes a lot more than what you think Mm -hmm. because what you think is you're done in those practices. And that's where you become a little weak. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm really, really tired. Yeah. We know you're really, really tired, but you're broke. Mm -hmm. Can you push yourself past that breaking point? Right. Every day, not just once or twice, Every day, can you push yourself past that breaking point? That's why I brought up priorities, mm-hmm. right? Because we're adults and we have time. You know, we can't be in the gym four or five hours a day, but you can push yourself past that breaking point every day that you're in the gym. You know, you you can. It's what you want to put into it. And that is going to callous your mind into what I believe mine has been put into there's no stopping me whatsoever i don't care who it is i think i'm gonna beat them mm-hmm. because i've been past that breaking point thousands of times 
to where I can't get up anymore. But I still do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, still keep going. What's up, guys? Josh McKinney here. Just wanted to interrupt this episode and tell you about something really exciting that we have going on at SimplifyingJujitsu.com right now as we speak. And that is this. If you want to level up your guard passing, if you want to have an understanding of guard passing that nobody in your gym, nobody that you compete against has, you need to understand distance from guard passing. More specifically, you need to understand chest over chest and excessive distance and the importance of these two distances and how these two distances make you unsweepable, unsubmittable while you are on top. And the more you can understand them, the more you can attain these two distances, the more you can bounce back and forth between these two distances, and the more you are immune to jujitsu while you are on top. And the only way to get this understanding right now is with the seminars that I did at Watson Martial Arts and Parada Jiu-Jitsu over the last couple months. These two seminars combined for the price of one will change the way you look at guard passing. They will change the way you look at top in general. And they are only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And if you purchase these two seminars for the price of one, you also get a third bonus seminar, what we call the pinch. This is about a 35-minute seminar where we look at what upper body control actually is, what to actually do once you finally attain chest over chest and how to keep it forever with very minimal minimal effort and being able to put a lot of pressure on your opponents. And that is, again, only available at simplifyingjujitsu.com. We'll make sure to link it in the description. Let's go ahead and get back to the episode. Do you think... Do you think that it is necessary to have a coach there or someone there pushing you in, in you know in this you know in this specific like this elite mindset that we're talking about do you think it's possible once you get to that point to simply be self-motivated with your training or do you think you need a coach that says okay now you're wrestling this guy and you're starting from the feet I think you I think you need that to start to figure out what your breaking point is you know, give it two weeks with somebody just standing over you <laughs> to find out what your breaking point is, mm-hmm. right? If I was doing it to you and I found out what your breaking point was, I had those that match limit number, that amount of effort that I saw you put in, and I see that breaking point that you have to where you can't get up off the mat anymore, now I'll know, and I can coach you through that, right? Mm-hmm. I can help you through that breaking point, but it won't take long. So you do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Then everything builds off of it, right? Your muscle builds off of it. Your endurance builds off of it. Your eating habits build off of it. Your family life builds off of it. Your mentality changes. I've been broken. I've been mentally beat down, physically beat down to where I can't go anymore. But I got back up and I kept doing it. And that's the difficult part is knowing what your breaking point is mm-hmm. and seeing how you can handle yourself after that, you know. Once you, do you feel like there becomes a point 
that you do have this callous mind or do you feel like it is losable once you're there? I feel like it's losable. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, it is a callous mind. It is a craziness, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> a mental disorder, uh-huh. right? It probably is. Um, oh, it, it definitely is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it probably it's, is some I'm kind of mental a, disorder. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist and I don't know the names of any countries either, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, um, there's definitely something wrong. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that, but, uh, <laughs> No, I I do think it can be um, lost, you know, and it's it's something that you have to continue to do because your breaking point's going to change throughout mm-hmm. your life. Me being thirty six now, my breaking point's different than what it was <laughs> yeah. when I was twenty five, uh-huh. right? Um, or is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, right. Because I've probably lost. I definitely lost what I've had um, early stages of jujitsu, mm-hmm. but I can get it back. You know what I mean? If if I want to prioritize that, then I can get it back. Mm-hmm. You can find your breaking point again, um, and and know what it is. If you know your breaking point, I would consider you to be really close to unstoppable. Mm-hmm if you've pushed yourself past that breaking point and truly know the breaking point, mm-hmm. not really, really, really tired breaking point. Mm-hmm. I am broke. You know, that's the point I need. I need to get at mm-hmm. where I'm broke for the past two years. I've been really, really, really tired, mm-hmm. but I haven't hit my breaking point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and that's what, you know, we used to do on, Saturdays and Sundays, we would hit the breaking point, right? By 8 a.m., we'd have that breaking point. <laughs> but we train till 5. That's how much farther I can go from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my practices would start at 6. At 8 o'clock a.m., I'm dead. I'm really, really tired. I think I'm broke. I just went through a two-hour practice. I'm dead. But we didn't. We left. We went and got our running shoes on. We went for a three to four mile run. We got back. We went to the gym. We got a workout in. We got back. We changed clothes. You went back on the mat. I mean, it's your breaking point is nothing. It's something that you have to figure out that you can beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can mentally beat yourself by finding out what your breaking point is and knowing that you don't have to stop. You're physically tired, yes. You're really, really, really tired, and you're mentally broke at that point. But how much longer can you go? To me, if you're wife and kids or if you're a single guy and you have that Saturday and Sunday, find it. Mm-hmm. Find what your break point is. Find that point where you go back in to change clothes for your next practice and you sit down and you're like, I can't get back up. <laughs> I'm I'm having a really hard time get back up. I'm having a hard time drinking water because my hands are so shaky because I've practiced so hard already today. Find that point and then keep going and see what you can do. You know, what if we put 
you know, and obviously this does go back to priorities, but mm -hmm. if we put a time constraint on somebody, somebody that, you know, their, their goal is to win big in jujitsu, mm -hmm. but they just, their time that is dedicated is 10 hours a week. They get to yeah. dedicate to doing jujitsu. Right. Um, what, in not even just physically more what mentally should their focus be how should they be focused on on getting to that point and i even know for some people they're like man 10 hours a week is even a lot for me sure um and so like what would be for someone like that you're, you're talking just uh coming to practice right on the mat Yes, mat on the time, mat, mat the, time, the, the, mat, the time hours. that they get to, you know, they have family, they have work, yeah. they are required yeah. this certain amount of time with those things, and they right. get to dedicate 10 times to, um, you know, not study, but physical acts of, of grappling, physical acts of violence. Yeah, <laughs> I would say stop going live. I would say for your 10 hours... Two hours a day, five days a week. Stop going live. As hard as you physically exert yourself by going live 30 minutes a day, exert yourself harder in drilling. And drill for two hours a day, five days a week, as if you're in a match. I'm a big guy on drilling. Uh -huh. <laughs> I love just drilling. Um to make a serious competitor. Mm -hmm. It's drilling. You you get live. You'll you'll get live time. But if you have 10 hours a week and it's only mat time, I would say drill 2 hours a day as hard as you possibly can, as clean as you possibly can. And there's no, you know, getting up tying your belt. It's you're making it a live match, mm -hmm. but you're drilling for two hours a day. That's how I, that would be a textbook way to get unbelievably good. When you say drilling, what is the, um, can you describe what you, cause it always seems like, especially when I talk to guys that wrestled, drilling is a different thing than it is with guys that do jujitsu. Very high paced, very high paced drilling. Um, like you're going live. When I hit a move, if I hit, um, Double leg. I am doing it full speed. I am breaking him all the way down to the mat, and I'm getting right back up before he even gets up, and I'm waiting for him. Mm -hmm. That's drilling. Drilling is hard. And then are you drilling the same thing repetitively, or do you have a like a, a set of things that you're drilling? I would have a set of things. Yeah, uh -huh. it wouldn't be the same. It would be the same thing for 20 minutes at a time. Yeah, sure. Um, but it would it would change up. I'm still basing off this two hours a day, five of days course. a week. But, uh -huh. um, I would go 20 minutes or so on each individual thing that I wanted to work, and I would I would work it so unbelievably hard to where I'm broken after 35 minutes of it, to where I have to really push myself to get through the next hour and a half. I mean, I'm that far. I I I want to go that hard off the bat of drilling, to where I'm I don't want to do any my mind starts telling me, right? It starts telling me, well, if I just, if I just took that extra step, I'll get an extra, I'll get an extra second break, right? Your mind, your mind starts telling you these things. I'm going to take a break here. I'm going to get the side control and I'm just going to, I'm going to drill this easy, easy move, right? I'm going to drill 
crossing over into mount mm -hmm. for 20 minutes. <laughs> There's my break. Uh -huh. That's that's the tricks that your mind plays on you, right? And that's not what I'm talking. I'm not talking about drilling something easy. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about drilling really physical hard exercises for two hours. Um, and that's what I think it should be. It, it's it's more of a, you're still trying to break yourself mentally. Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to get your mind to tell you those things, to tell you, I'm good. I'm good on these. I'm good enough. I don't need to drill these anymore. I don't need to drill that hard on this move anymore. That's what your mind starts telling you. I don't know if you've ever heard those things. Of course. Okay. <laughs> That's what your mind starts telling you, and you start believing it. Mm -hmm. You start believing those things. And that's where somebody needs to smack you across the face and be like, what are you doing? You just, you just hit this blast double 35 times. And on your 36th time, you stood up and put your hands on your hips and walked around for a second. You're broke. <laughs> You're broke. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you needed to catch a breath. I don't care about any of it. You let your mind win. Mm -hmm. Just then. Those, those extra five, six seconds that you took a break. You let your mind win. That's how I view it. Man, I I totally, I totally get it. I think that's something that is lost in jujitsu now is because um, I think for developing skills, people are getting away from repetitive drilling. But I do yeah. look at the physicality, because it's something we've done forever, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, yeah, you do this a bunch of times. The, the physicality difference of repetitive drilling, and, and it may be a combination of repetitive drilling plus you getting up a hundred times on top of it, you know, to, yeah. to reset the move. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like the, it is the amount of offense that you have to do in those drills right. um, that does push you physically like nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think a lot of wrestlers would agree with that. And it's just something I, I think maybe I picked up in, in that. But uh, I remember drilling thousands of knee cuts, right? Yeah. And yeah. then it's, it's funny. There's like, because now the, the, the big push in jiu-jitsu is like, oh, yeah, we don't drill at all. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I never – I mean, I drilled for years that knee right. cut. And I did um, – competed at the beginning of – I guess 2023 and I was doing a bunch of nogi and I just in nogi, I don't knee cut a lot. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason in my match, it was what was available. And I found myself hitting like four or five knee cuts. And yes. it was like, I hadn't shot. I hadn't went for a knee cut in six months. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like, since I had a, in your brain. Yeah. Though. Since yeah. I had had a gi on, I hadn't done it, but it was just like, no, that was what was, that was what was there. Yeah. And especially that was what was there when the cardio was going and mm -hmm. like that was what I that was the physical recollection that I had when I was really tired was like, yeah, your body does this when you're really tired. Right. You just, you just jump over to yeah. the knee cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've done I want to say we've done probably an hour at this point of just kind of mindset. Um, and so before we kind of move on, is there anything you have uh, to add to at least like the mental toughness aspect that we've been talking about? I think that if you can feed your mind differently, you'll start acting differently. What do you mean by that? If you feed your mind negative thoughts, 
you're going to be negative, right? If you feed your mind positive thoughts, you're going to be positive. And I'm not, I'm no scholar at any of this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But for some reason with jujitsu and wrestling, it's always clicked for me in life. Not so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in combat sports, it has. And what I feed my mind in any combat sport, there is no negatives. Mm-hmm. There is no, I can't keep going. It's there is, mm-hmm. but I break that, right? I, I change my mindset to start thinking a better way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the ultimate goal. If, if I can think the other way, if I can tell myself, oh, man, I'm, I'm having surgery here in a couple of weeks, I better take it easy, or I better not practice as hard today, or I better not do this, I better not do that. That's you lying to yourself, in my mind, mm-hmm. in my opinion. That's you lying to yourself. You can do it. You can do something. You know, if mm-hmm. you have knee surgery on your left leg, you can still work out the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. What's stopping you? You know, probably even easier because you're on pain pills. <laughs> you know, I can work out all day. I don't care. <laughs> what time is it? <laughs> um, but just feeding your mind differently, you know, and, and those times that we talked about where, where I lose and I freak out and I, and I feed my mind the crap saying, you can't do it. You're done. Mm-hmm. You are done. You're physically beat up. You're mentally broke. That's it. That's all you got. You gave it everything you got. You didn't win. Sorry. You're not as good. Mm-hmm. And then realize you're doing it to yourself. Your mind is telling you these things because you're so physically exerted that you want to stop. Yeah. I want to go, drink a beer and have a piece of pizza. <laughs> yeah. But is that going to help me win? You know, is that going to, is that going to think, make myself think the right way? Thinking the right way is different. Mm-hmm. It's not giving in to everything that you think, you know, uh, stop yourself from thinking that way and say, I'm down by five in the middle of a match. Well, I'm just going to make sure he doesn't score anymore and I'll maybe try to score a couple and make it not as bad. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what your mind's going to tell you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to realize that you're playing tricks on yourself. Your mind is telling you to kind of give up. Mm-hmm. Show some exertion, but you're done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and that's where if you can change the mentality of how you view every match that way, then that's the point I would try to get across is change the way you think about every situation and every practice and every drill, every live go, every tournament. Think of it like you're training for worlds, like you are trying to break yourself. You are trying to see the extent of what your body can do Mm -hmm. and then go farther than that. You know what I mean? That's how I, that's the, that's the message I would try to get across, I guess. And that's something something I've noticed too. Um, obviously, I've known you for a really long time, but mm-hmm. even in this conversation, um, the mindset that is negative is always focused on the past or the future. It's always, yeah. you know, this happened. I can't believe this happened, or it's I can't go further. You know, than, I never thought of it like you that. Know. You're right. And yeah. I, man, I just I've something I've picked up from you is like that the mindset that works is present. I can control this one second, mm-hmm. and then I can control this next second. 
right. then and it and that's all that I'm in control of. Right. Um, and that's all I can think about. Oh, you're tired, and that's like kind of what I argue about. Um, you know, when people talk about you know, especially when it, mentality wise, when like, man, I'm so exhausted, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like no you know you could do one more. Yeah. You know you could do one more thing. Mm-hmm. You know you could fight for one more guard pass. You know you could fight for one more uh, sweep. You could fight for one more takedown. But right. what you're thinking is, well, if I fail on this, then I'll be at completely empty, and then I'll get submitted. You know? Sure. And I'll be sure. completely yeah. empty. And, and yeah. I just, you know, something that uh, I really f- focused on, even for myself over the last few years, and this is kind of why I ask about having a coach help you with it, um, you know, when I will go to revive and, you know, really push the training hard and then junior has another super soldier, like walk out of the closet <laughs> yeah, yeah, right and he's right. like, okay, you're going to do stand up with him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And where did this guy come yeah. from? Where, where did this, where, what, is this a bear? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. And then Ooh, another D1 wrestler. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. And uh, you know, if you, if there's a takedown, um, you restart from the feet. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I, I didn't yeah. even do takedowns, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and you do this over and over, and it creates this, um, this thing where you start to realize, like, oh, I was just worried about getting taken down. I was right. just worried about getting oh, too tired later. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. and like, I, I'm, you know, I thought that I was, you know, I was worried about having to drive home, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, Jeff drove with me. He can drive if I need him to. And is he old enough to drive? No, no, okay. he's, he's not. <laughs> um, but that's just like, I think, I think to that, and I just noticed that that difference in mentality for me um, as a competitor has been like, you know, in in deep matches now. The thought process has been, I am against the clock. There's two minutes. I need to get. Mm-hmm. I need to get off ten moves. I need yeah. to get off. I you know that's the only way I'm going to win this is right. if I can get off this. And it, it becomes this difference in mentality where, so many matches that I I have even the ones I lose I stop and I'm like man, I just didn't get it done in time. I just didn't have enough time and it stopped being like oh I was done. You know, I just yeah. didn't have anything else. Yeah. And uh, I think that shift to being present has made just right. a monstrous difference for me. Right. So um, I just kind of wanted to, to kind of take a step back. I know we've been very present with this conversation, but um, I, I was curious for you, you know, and this is something I just recently, I don't know when the, the, come out of each of these were I just recently had Kurgan and Sal on together mm. and I was curious just about the the shift from wrestling to jiu-jitsu because I know so many guys that wrestled their whole life that absolutely should do jiu-jitsu yes they don't make that shift they don't come back and and keep grappling Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether they, they get out of high school or they get out of college, but there just comes this day where it's like, yeah, you can't wrestle anymore. Now go have a job, you know, yeah. now go do regular stuff. Yeah. And if you were to throw on a bathrobe or a rash guard, you could still, you could still grapple. Yeah. Um, uh, what was that transition like for you first? For me, I still, I still needed it. Mm-hmm. I still needed a form of competition. But I definitely see the other side of that, which is a lot of people wrestle. 
not a lot of people are great wrestlers, mm-hmm. right? Good wrestlers will be able to hop right into jiu-jitsu and say, great, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep competing in mm-hmm. another combat sport. I feel like, again, my opinion, um, a lot of really good and great wrestlers, when they are told that word, saying those words saying, you're done wrestling, it's a relief. They've spent their whole life cutting weight, kind of being miserable. Mm-hmm. Wrestling's not a fun sport. No. <laughs> it's not. Like, I've never came home from wrestling practice and been like, man, I had fun with my friends today. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. I got to throw the baseball around, or I got to play football with my friends today. No, my friends tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. And I am missing a tooth today. <laughs> like, I, it's not a fun sport. So I think a lot of guys and I'm speaking for a lot of people and I don't know who, but uh, I think a lot of guys are more relieved mm-hmm. to say, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I did everything I could do. I won some stuff. I lost some stuff. I placed high in some stuff. I made it to college, right? I'm done. Thank God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and that's where you'll see some, some other guys come in two and three and four years later. Because they realized, they're like, oh, wait, I missed something. Mm-hmm. Something's missing in my life, you know, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I need to go to jiu-jitsu. Um, so that's that's what I think about that. I don't know if that fully answered your question, yeah, but I, I, see, I see a sign of relief with a lot of wrestlers just saying, kind of done, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I've went through those struggles. Of course. Don't really want to go through them anymore. And that's their mind playing tricks on them, but – and that's where guys like me, Sal, Kurgan, all those guys start talking to those guys, and we're like, "Hey, you need this. Mm-hmm. This you would be great. You would be a great asset to the gym. You'd be great at this sport. We think mentally you need this. Mm-hmm. You need to get back in it. You know, back in something like wrestling, and this provides that outlet. You know, and man, that's like that's the big thing. You just touched on it. Mentally is where I see so many guys that like. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, I don't have any scientific evidence to back, but there's something about growing up grappling that it just becomes a a part of you. Maybe it becomes a part of how you express yourself. And when then the guys, like, they have to stop doing it, and then they just, like, they never do it again. Mm -hmm. It's like, for most people, it seems to be really hard. It seems to be this really... Um, you know, just not mentally healthy thing. It's not, right. It, it really isn't, um, especially if you're a lifelong wrestler mm-hmm. and especially if you're an accomplished wrestler, especially like George and Sal, very accomplished wrestlers. Um, going into coaching for them was a big outlet, mm-hmm. right? But it's like they still, they needed more, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, again, I'm speaking for, I've never talked to him about this, mm-hmm. but I would assume they're in the same mindset is they need a little more Mm -hmm. you know they need that edge again they need that killer instinct back you know they had it for a long time then they might have been relieved now all i have to do is give back to my sport all i gotta do is coach i'm still around it i'm still enjoying it i'm teaching kids i'm having fun but there's 
and I, I can't wait to ask them this mm-hmm. or, or, or until they hear this, because I want to hear their thoughts on it. But I would almost imagine that they, they knew something was missing. Mm-hmm. They knew that they needed this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be sane, you know, because wrestling, being an accomplished wrestler, and I, I definitely separate being just a normal wrestler to being an accomplished wrestler, because being an accomplished wrestler means you've sacrificed a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would guarantee that every accomplished wrestler that has been off the mat for over a year or two is not mentally good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're not. Um, call it PTSD or call it whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something that they need. They need it. And that was something interesting. You know, this is kind of why I brought up wanting to have those two guys on was because um, I was talking to Kurgan at a point and like, hey, you know, like, because he's just been in. I don't know why he had been in, you know, mm-hmm. and never really had that conversation. And I'm like, hey, you, uh, you want to, do you want, you should compete, man. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, if I did that, he's like, it would be different. He's mm-hmm. like, it would be a different thing for me. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I like what this is now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I like getting to do what this is now yeah. and it be a an outlet for me yes. and it not be competition and even for that like you know i think a lot of people are like hey wrestler you should come and train at our gym because we need we need more competitors at our right, gym right yeah. but but for me i just look at it even from the stance of like even if you don't compete the beauty of jujitsu is you are helping so many guys on the team yeah but you're helping them physically yeah. you know i mean you are right. You are a body for them. And so, so many of the guys that do compete, it, it's there is this weird part of you out there where it's like, he ain't getting single legged. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. he ain't. You know, I, I, I was in a specific single leg this year. And I remember being like, you know, and it was supposed to be a good one. And I remember <laughs> being in the situation and thinking to myself, oh, oh, yeah. I've been in much better single legs than this. Yeah. You know, I've been in. I've I've been in thousands of better single legs than this. If I can mm-hmm. defend those, I'll defend this. Yeah. And you know, and you see that and you go like that that can carry over. And it can mm-hmm. be, you know, I don't know, it's not the same. It's not yeah. It's not the it isn't the weight cut and then the, you know, and then the competition and then mm-hmm. gorging yourself with food, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um it isn't that, but it is it is something. And uh yeah, I do think that, you know, so many guys could be could benefit that are like, man, I used to, I used to wrestle and I need something. It doesn't have to be jujitsu competition, you know? No. Some guys it does. Yeah. You know, it just absolutely does. To me, to me, it still does. I know. I I have to compete. mm -hmm. I have to. And that's like, but that's what motivates you to train. Yes. Right. Is if there's not a, if there's not a competition, it's like, why am I training? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like for someone think, like George, who finds happiness in hanging out with his friends, you know, right. um, who finds <laughs> happiness in jujitsu yeah. class, uh, you know, he, you know, like I just think that, you know, jujitsu can be different for different people at different times, and I see this, and I'm like, you know, but then there's still times that it's like, hey, it's got to be competition for me. Yeah, it's just what it is for me. 
I'm still the same about like competing. Mm-hmm. I, I've never not been a competitor. I right. dread the time that I won't be a competitor. Right. You know, yeah. I, I look at, lose a big part of yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that has been for me, that's been, um, you know, I have been a jujitsu competitor longer than I was not a jujitsu competitor. You know, I was mm-hmm. alive for 14 years before I started competing and I've yeah. done jujitsu for 15. Yeah. And it's like, I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how I would be able to, you know, we'll cross mm-hmm. that bridge when it comes to sure. it. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do see that for myself and I can't be like, Oh yeah, just for everybody, it can be this way. Mm-hmm. But I know for a lot of guys, it can just be something that is, that is enjoyable. And I think it is. And again, I haven't talked to him about this. I can't wait to hear it. But um, I think George and Sal and other wrestlers of their caliber, when they're just practicing, they're having fun. Mm -hmm. It is fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun to come to jiu-jitsu practice and just get a workout in with your friends. But as soon as you sign that paper and say in two months I'm going to compete the way our minds are trained is that's the last day of our life Mm -hmm. nothing in this world matters Uh until that happens Mm -hmm. and until we win our life's over Mm -hmm. your mentality changes everything changes you're not happy you really aren't Mm -hmm. You're, you're set you're fine I'm not saying you're depressed. You're focused. You are focused. Mm -hmm. Nothing matters. And again, I don't care if it's a Naga St. Louis. (laughs) My life is over at that point. Like my life, nothing else in my life matters except that. And I'd be interested to hear if they agree with that because I feel like they would be the same way. And I feel like they're not going to compete because of that. Mm -hmm. Because I still go through it. When I say, this is the tournament I'm doing, I plan on dying that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, seriously, it's, I have no future in front of that day. There's no future in my life in front of that day. My future stops that Sunday when mm-hmm. it's over. You know what I mean? And it is a weird, <laughs> weird mindset, but that's what's been embedded to us mm-hmm. in our brains. Like, it's hard. It's hard. I, I know it's hard for them. It's hard for me to just come to practice without knowing that I have something coming up. Of course. It's really hard. But uh, I hope I can someday talk them into, <laughs> into competing again to get that feeling back, to get that killer instinct back and say, when there's, when there's enough space for you guys to all train in your own car. Um, yeah, I'm into that. We need a bigger gym. Yeah. We're going to need a bigger gym. We we're, we're good with the sub floor, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to need, we're going to need more space, man. Yeah. It's interesting that you asked that because it, I, I, I think that's what it would be. Mm -hmm. His life would completely change. Mm -hmm. You know, it really would because of where his mental state would be at that point saying I'm getting ready to compete again his mental state would be off the charts you know when he started to explain to me why he didn't compete about 
two minutes into his 10 minute explanation. <laughs> I'm like, look, dude, you don't have to compete. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. You're right. It's not a good idea. You right. don't need to do it. Right. You know what? Just enjoy this. Just have fun with it. You yeah. know, like, yeah. uh, you know, cause there is, it, it, it is something different. I, I, I get that feeling of, you know, this tournament is all that matters. That's it. This is yeah. it. And then like, if you win, this tournament didn't matter. Nobody at cares. All. Yeah. This is so yeah. stupid. Not good enough. Yep. I'm gonna go somewhere else. If you lose, like this tournament was all that mattered. Why Makes did for I... a long life. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So one time, sometime we're gonna bring on a, a psychiatrist and oh we'll and we and we'll have him um talk to us about jujitsu competition and mm, they'll competing probably leave. and <laughs> like, no, you need to be inside of a mental institution. Yeah. And so uh you know, but <laughs> until then then we'll talk about how to be a good competitor, you know, yeah, <laughs> until, yeah. until that stops mattering. Right. Um, we'll just talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're getting kind of towards the end and I'm sure we'll kind of dig in on this, but uh, something I've been finishing the podcasts with lately is um, what is some of the best or the best jujitsu advice that you've ever gotten? Um, and, or just what springs to mind when I say that, and we can even extend it further into just grappling advice, uh, um, just for you. Um, the first thing that pops into mind, I don't know if this is fully going to answer the question probably, but, um, is, I think I've talked about this on a podcast before is, when we were, yeah, when we were talking about Bo Nickel, if, if you're getting ready to fight Bo Nickel and you know it for two months, you're not going to train how to be a wrestler, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the best I, advice I've ever got was from you and your dad, and it was, you know, once you're at Purple Belt or higher, train what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Train what you want to be good at. Yes, I'm still going to work everything else, but train what you're good at and be better at it. And that's always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've always loved being in somebody's guard because I think I can pass anybody's guard eventually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I, I feel that way. I, it might take me a few minutes. It might take me an hour, but <laughs> if you give me an ample amount of time, I'm going to pass somebody's guard. And it's because I've been good at it. But I trained it so much more because I knew I was good at it that I became, I feel like I became great at it mm -hmm. now. Um, I'm great at passing guard and I'm great at staying on top. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's because I didn't spend five hours one night drilling X guard. Mm -hmm. I know how to do it. And I can, if I get put in a position, I can get there and I can get back to the position I want that I'm better at. Right? I mean, that's... I don't know if that fully answered your question, but it's, it, it's, drill what you're good at. It's so funny that you say that because actually in the Kurgan and Sal episode, we talk about this same thing. I think Kurgan okay. had asked me about like, how do I get rid of, of my wrestling to do mm -hmm. jujitsu? I said, well, you don't, you shouldn't. Right. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. I go and I gave the example. I, I remember 
vividly the conversation between you and I. I want to say it was right when you said, "Hey, I, you're going to be my coach. You know, I'm going to you know, I'm going to train it head nod. You're going to be my coach." And you said, "What guard should I be working?" Right. And I go, "Eric, <laughs> if I go <laughs> if if someone with your your know, wrestling prowess, if you were to get taken down and and put in a guard, how long would we need to train that guard?" For you to be good enough against that guy right. that took you down and put right. you there to be able to sweep him. And you pause, and I remember like seeing you think about it, and you go, I don't know if I could ever sweep him. Yeah. And I said, Then why are we worried about guard, Eric? <laughs> right. Then why don't we just wrestle? Get better at what you are. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and I don't think I think for someone who's brand new, you should you need to find what sure. you're good at. Yes. And right. I think even I'm talking myself, right? Of course. Coming in as a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think even for, you know, mastery, you need to be able to deal with every situation. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to say, well, the techniques on the wall read this, mm-hmm. and these are the techniques I'm allowed to use. Mm-hmm. No, if you're on bottom and side control, the goal for all of us is to not be there. Right. Right. And it yep. doesn't, you know, I know you could, we could shrimp, we could do all these other things that are considered jujitsu. But to me, it's grappling. And when yeah. we're grappling, sometimes you have the goal, right? And you yeah. go, well, you know, so, well, it's like the same conversation we had with Sal. Like, I would rather just belly down and, and be in front headlock. I've been there for years. Yeah. I'm going to be in a much better so spot. Be there. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I, you know, I've always been taught to not be in side control. Right. Yeah. Then, like, you know, especially, and I don't even think, you know, I know we're saying this like as this is just competitive advice. But I think if you're trying to be good at, at grappling in general, you know, you look at the situation and you say, well, how do I best get out of this situation? Maybe I don't mm-hmm. have an answer and I need an answer. Yeah. But a lot of times you're like, you know, I do. I feel better by bellying down and wrestling right. up. Right. And, uh, yeah, I remember that conversation. I think that that is, man, nobody's ever answered that question with any advice that I've given them. Right, Bryce? I think that's the first time yeah. that I've given somebody the best jujitsu <laughs> advice that they've gotten. Well, it was you and your dad. Oh, okay. I give okay. you 50. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 50, it was, 50 yeah, it was probably more 90 10. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was probably like, you know what, Eric? You should play X card, bro. Yeah. You should play. Let's just focus on rubber card for you, yeah. man. Um, well, that was, you know, in my, in my early days of jujitsu, I mean, I did focus on everything. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be an expert at jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Right. And I still never consider myself, even with a black belt, I don't consider myself an expert at jujitsu, but I don't know anything I can't teach mm-hmm. really. You know what I mean? I'm better at teaching the stuff I'm better at, but I can still teach X guard. I can still teach Baron Bolo mm-hmm. with, even with the Baron Bolo belly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I can still teach that stuff because I know enough about it. Right. And I know how to get out of the situation or get into the situation, whatever the case may be. But I'm not, I'm not just disregarding everything else. You know what I mean? I'm just, when I'm really training, I'm training what I'm really good at, you know? And, and it's like, and when we talk about that, it's like, we're talking offense, right? When we're talking about the guard that you're playing, that guard is offense. Yeah. Your most of your job in jujitsu is defense. Most of your job in grappling is defense. Mm-hmm. If you have the best shot in the world in wrestling, but you cannot stop a shot, you suck at wrestling. Yes, you right. are, you're a terrible wrestler. Right. And it's like the same goes for jujitsu. 
you don't need a whole lot of offense. It's you versus one person. You need to be able to prevent them from doing things right. to you. Right. You know, and yeah. I just think that that gets lost for so many people. It's like, no, I have to know 15 moves from sure. every single guard. Yeah. And it's like, dude, when I'm when I'm in competition mode, especially, I'm playing maybe one guard. You know, most <laughs> right. likely I'm right. avoiding guard completely. <clears throat> and I'm playing it, you know, in a in a weird way where I'm like, no, my bottom game is just about getting on top. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't yeah. even play guard. Right. It's just like how do I get on top? And my top game is about not getting swept or submitted yeah. and getting the pass eventually. Yeah. And it's like, it just gets lost for so many people that like they need to learn all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, if we did that in striking and it was like, I need to know every single strike and be great at it. It's like, no, you need to not get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, you know, you right. need to learn to keep your hands up. Yeah. And we just, for whatever reason in grappling people, people think of the offense as what, is what you know and it's like dude the offense only matters if you're good at the sure. defense yeah but i think if people thought of it that way of saying yes i need to know it right i need to know it to uh, eventually i'm going to be put in that situation mm -hmm. eventually i'm going to be put in that different guard mm -hmm. you know whatever the case may be and i'm going to know i'm going to i'm going to need to know some things mm -hmm. from there but when I'm going live every day, yeah, I'll probably do it a couple times. But then I'm kind of done. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I'm good at, and I'm gonna get better at that. But I still need to know it. You know, through everybody's jujitsu journey, uh, I do think they need to know a lot of things as far as moves go. Mm -hmm. But as far as drilling them every day, mm -hmm. that's not how I see you getting better. You know what I mean? my thought on it yeah i think we're in agreement uh eric anything you want to say to to finish i don't think so thanks for having me on again man thanks for being on i really enjoyed this i uh i look forward to um when we get jeff Scholes to to be a psychologist for us and tell us about our mental issues i want to be on a podcast with jeff right here yeah that's what i'm saying like and he would be like so Josh and Eric, how does that make you feel? You know? <laughs> I just, I, I'm just gonna fight him. <laughs> Let me show you how it makes this me feel. This is how I feel. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna show you how to physically. Uh, it will dominate you for the rest of your life, Jeff. I just want you to know that. I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> All right. I think that is, I think that's about it. Thank you right. so much for being on the show, Eric. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And that is the episode. Uh, thank you guys for checking this one out. This one, once we got done with it, as soon as we, uh, as soon as we were kind of like turning off all the lights in the studio, Bryce looked at me at a point and said, "Wow, that episode was intense." And uh, it really was. And that was what I really love about just how honest Eric was about about the mindset, especially about the negatives, um, when that negative self-talk and how he was his fighting it in all these different matches. And um, and even where that where that mental ability to be able to flip that switch came from. And uh, I really think uh, uh, Eric, somebody that I could probably just have on the show every couple months and it never be stale. And so I'm sure that we will get him on the show again soon because people always just love these interviews that we do with him. Um, 
but next time I'm sure we'll be able to look at it from an even different perspective. So if you guys, as always, if you have any questions for the next time that I bring Eric on the show, be sure if you're watching on YouTube to just drop them in the comments, or you can send me an email, josh at simplifyingjujitsu.com. That being said, a week from today, we have a Christmas special coming out. And so we're going to have some jujitsu related and Christmas related questions and answers for that, uh, that episode. And again, you can always just comment any questions on the YouTube channel, you can send me an email, joshatsimplifyingjujitsu.com, or you can send me a message on my Instagram, the Josh McKinney. Um, but besides that, just wanted to give one more big thank you to Eric Ebner for being on the show and uh, look forward to having him on again. Hopefully this episode was good for you guys. Hopefully uh, you learned something. Hopefully it helps you as a competitor. Uh, this is really one of those that we made specifically for competitors. And uh, most importantly, I hope this episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.